And last week, uh, I just felt led to highlight one of the, the or cards, the surrender cards that when we had a prayer service at the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we had uh, a, uh, a exercise of writing down what are the things we're surrendering to Jesus. Uh, and one of the people wrote on their cards, Jesus, I cannot make friends without you. And as we were as a staff, just taking those and praying through them, I mean, this is just what people were just, they weren't sending it to staff. It was just like, this is between me and the Lord, but we were praying into that. Something gripped my heart. And I felt like the compassion of God just flooded like my, my heart and I started to tear up. And I was just like, oh man, Lord, like this person does have a friend that sticks closer than a brother and it's you, Jesus. And at the same time, they are needed and wanted at this bo- in this church body, that they would experience the friendship of God here. And so I just shared that. And at, after the service, I had a few people that I heard came up and said, hey, I didn't write that card, but that was for me. And so I just wanna say like, again, God is unifying and bringing people in and you're not the only one that might feel on the outs, okay? But he is bringing us in, he's the good shepherd. And so let it be, Lord. And even if you don't know Jesus and you're like, I'm here searching for God, I don't quite follow you on the shepherd analogy. There's a lot of shepherd analogy with Jesus, so you'll get there. But I just wanna say, even if you feel lonely, disconnected and you're searching for God, you're in the right place. And we just wanna say, come on. So my hope is that these Vision Sundays would be a time of healing, encouragement, and, uni- and unifying time as God speaks to us, a fresh invitation to be connected to Him and connected to His people. Amen? Amen. So Vision Sunday part one, I uh, just wanna point you back to that message on our Antioch Dallas Sermon Podcast because it's gonna be more of a detailed, like here's, here's the context of where we've been and where we're going, but I wanna recap some of the main points for you today. One is we looked at last year that we went through the gospel of John as a church and our verse that we prayed was in John 6, 35, where Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And our prayer and our focus as a church was that we would encounter Jesus as this bread of life. And we would encounter him in our homes, in our church, in our city. We would encounter Jesus as the bread of life. And if you've uh, just recently, I shared even in our home that it seems like baking bread is back in style, which I am so thankful for. Just I've done the low carb, you know, keto diets and, you know, that's helpful. But when we have our Sabbath and and my wife, Amy, bakes bread, we have a picture of it. You want to put it up there? And it comes out of the oven. It is gone in like 15 minutes. Just a little, little butter, a little salt, and it's just, oh, it's so good. And I don't, I don't know where you're coming from today or what your personal interests are or what your hobbies are, but what your heart longs for is Jesus. It longs for the glory of God. It longs to be filled up, that part in your soul of like, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Why do I long for relationship? It's in the person of Jesus. He is the bread of life. So that was last year. And, and we encountered him in the bread of life in different ways. And we don't stop just because that's not our focus in 2023. We continue feasting on the bread of life. Amen? So we're building off of that. Then number two, when we entered into the, the year in 2023, we had our 21 days of prayer and fasting like uh, Donnie mentioned. And our daily prayer during the fast was Jesus, I surrender, fill in the blank to you today and trust in you. So it was a theme of we're surrendering all, but we wanted the Holy Spirit, we wanted God to highlight each day, what is it that we actually need to surrender 
to him. And we use this picture of when you row a boat or if you're in a ship that is being propelled forward by manpower, it's with oars. And just this picture of people who have been in all their best efforts and not in a, um, uh, not in a way to be discouraging towards them, but just to say, we can't take ourselves where we need to go on our own strength. And so it's laying down of our self-sufficiency, our self-reliance, and this this independence. And actually, as we mature in Christ, we become more dependent upon him, right? So we were like, okay, Holy Spirit, would you bring up where to surrender these oars? And so just like we're not gonna just uh, encounter Jesus as the bread of life and stop, we're also not going to have three weeks of having surrender and then just move on from there. So this whole year, we're gonna feast on the bread of life and we are going to continue to build on this surrender theme of like, God, would you take over? And I just wanna say that prayer has been actually something that I've just found a lot of life in even beyond the fast. So if that's, I just would wanna put that before you. If you feel like since the fast, you're like, oh, I I can't wait till next year or I can't, man, like this, this week, just pray this prayer because there's so many opportunities where anxiety and different things are coming in at us and just say, Jesus, come and take over. I can't do this. It's such a life-giving way to just rely on the Father and abide in Jesus. So that's where we've been. Where are we going now? So where is God leading us now? So again, I will point back to the previous message. That's why this is part two. I won't go through all the details but I would highly encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. But the high points of what I shared last week, there's this scripture that in the fall of last year, I feel like God put on my heart. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I feel like the Holy Spirit is tapping me on the shoulder here to pay attention. I don't fully understand what's going on, but it was this scripture. It was in Isaiah 37, verse 30 through 32. And as I was reading through Isaiah, this scripture just really stuck out to me. And this This is what it says. This is when the Assyrians are threatening to take over um, Israel by wiping them out and they threaten Israel. And then Hezekiah, the king at the time, lays out their threats before God. And so God responds. And this is one of the things that God gives to Hezekiah as a promise. He says in verse 30, this will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year, you will eat what grows up by itself. The second year, what springs up from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I was reading this scripture and we were at the time negotiating with our current landlords about our lease was ending on this building and we really needed God to show us what to do because we, we could not on our own strength, our own financial power, our own wisdom, figure out what to do because they were asking for more years and more money on the lease and we just couldn't do it. Long story short, which you can go back and listen to more of the details, God gave us a favorable deal for not a seven-year lease, but a three-year lease that was even discounted at the prices that we were giving, which we asked different people in our church who were real estate Uh, experts or real estate attorneys or agents, hey, what do you think about this? And one independent source said, that is a favorable rate for this area. So I was like, they didn't know we were praying for that. I'm taking that as God. Here we go. So praise the Lord. So I was talking about this three-year lease 
And then we were talking about, okay, so what does it mean to, to like, you'll eat what grows up by itself? And what I thought about was like, okay, well, we're part of a movement. What is Antioch at, at large doing? What are they doing? And they're actually in the middle of a five-year vision, a five-year word, and they have three years left. And so this is, this is part of what uh, they have uh, this year is that a part of that three-year vision is unity, is unity. Um, and then the other, as I was sharing this with our staff, the three years, the unity, and about this planting and sowing, someone said, that sounds a lot like Zach and Christina's like encouragement for the church as they were saying they sensed God was, uh, God was starting a new chapter within Antioch, Dallas. And what they said was that, man, for the last 10 years that Zach has been the lead pastor here, I've been here for the last 10 years. One of the consistent images and themes that we've got that our church is, is like a greenhouse. So a greenhouse, there's a picture of a greenhouse uh, on the slide, if you wanna pull it up, there you go. So on the left, a greenhouse where people would come in, just be nurtured in their faith in Christ and kind of experience like, oh, this is what authentic Christian community could be like. And then normally they would be sent out to the next thing that God had for them. And just how we were like, let's just own that. What a great vision. And so you can walk in our lobby and see, come grow here. And like, that was who we, we, we were. We were like, this is awesome. And at the same time, this, this, this word, this encouragement that Zach and Tina were feeling for our church is that God is, is moving us from not only being a greenhouse, but becoming a farm. And you see on the, on the other side-by-side uh, -side imagery, imagery of a vineyard. And this, this passage talks about, you know, in the third year, they will sow and reap and plant vineyards. And so that's what we shared about in vision part one that, you know, my Aggie friends and fellow uh, backyard chicken farmers were real excited to hear that farm word. They were like, come on and let's go, I'm in. But really what, what are the greenhouse versus farm comparisons? And so here are some of the comparisons that I wrote down of the differences between a greenhouse and a farm. A greenhouse is more easily built and torn down. And the, my back alley neighbor has one uh, in his small yard. He has a greenhouse. But a farm speaks to longevity and even to inheritance. Uh, I, was reading, I was watching a documentary just based on this word on farmers, and there are very few first-generation farmers left in our nation. It's a, it's a family business. And so what, what, what that speaks to is that us becoming a farm is that we're not only focused on this, the people here and now, but the people yet to come and the, and the children and the people that we were like, we want to see in Dallas, in this place, roots go down deep so that future generations can encounter Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. Okay, so the greenhouse, they grow things year round. And in the farm, you grow according to the seasons. So you have to be aware of like, what are the rhythms? What are the, what are the things that God's saying to our church and help us to grow more into that? Another part of the greenhouse is that the soil is transferable and temporary. Uh, and that in the farm, the soil is permanent, but it requires cultivation. So even this element of like sinking into, okay, I live in Dallas or I live in the surrounding cities of Dallas. What makes this part of our uh, of our city tick? What are the things that we do well? What, what are the strongholds? And just kind of like, what, what is the, what's the soil like? And so we can begin to operate in the, in the spirit of, you know what, if this is materialism, how can we operate in the opposite spirit? You know, like what, just what, studying the soil and cultivating it. Okay. And so the last one is that plants do not mature in a greenhouse because they don't adapt 
to the weather changes uh, or the temperature changes. Uh, and there's even some plants in our lobby, which praise God are alive. But if you go touch them, they're, they're, that, would be, that would be weird if you were like, come grow here. And we had a, a plant that was dead in the lobby. Thank you for uh, different serve team people that do that, who water our plants. But even so, like there's, there's some that droop, like branches that droop because they don't have the wind to strengthen them. And in a farm, plants mature, crops mature and the elements and the temperature changes and the, the weather. So with that, I made the ask last week, not because I thought this was a good idea. I felt prompted by the spirit to ask for y'all to pray, to commit three years to build with us as God's making us from a greenhouse to a farm. And grace to you if you're like, man, I wanna be a part. I don't know if I can commit for the three years. Uh, I don't know, I, I hear some businesses do that. They're like, hey, give us three months. Or even some churches, give us six months. I'm asking for three years. I get that. But grace to you because I feel like God is building something here and, he, and you're needed, you're wanted. This, yes, I hope that you get filled up and nourished today by the word of God, but I also hope that you are part of some local church somewhere that's building into the kingdom of God in their city. Amen? Amen. So let it be here. We'd love for you to be here. So part two, the rest of our time. So where is God leading us from here? Please turn in your Bibles to John 17. John 17. Where is God leading us from here? And so that's kind of like the big picture vision of the last three years. So I'm gonna lean in a little bit more of like, what do we sense God saying is for this year, 2023? Now in John 17, as you're, as you're turning there, just some context of what's happening. So Jesus is having the last supper, a Passover meal with his disciples. And really he's in that meal, he's in that setting from John chapter 13 through John chapter 17. So the gospel of John has 21 chapters and five of them are focused on an evening that he has with his disciples, okay? And, and, and with that, this is in some, some scholars who study the New Testament say, this is like the holy of holies of the New Testament because there's so much that Jesus reveals to his disciples that it's just like, here's what you need to know because I'm about to go away. Here's what you need to know. And so in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet and he's setting for them an example of how to love one another. And this is, if you call me rabbi, this is what... I want you to do for others and this is how people will know you're my disciples. And then in John 14 and 16, he's talking about, man, the love that, that, that I have for you and that I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper. And he says, now is your time in verse 16, 22, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So at the end of him explaining all this, Jesus Praise out loud. And this is called the high priestly prayer. So this is Jesus, the whole chapter, chapter 17 is Jesus praying out loud to the Father. And he prays for three things. He prays for himself in verses like one through five. Then he turns and prays for his disciples, which at that point are 11 disciples because Judas has already gone to betray him. So he prays for those 11. And then this last part where we're gonna read, he prays for those who would believe in their message, okay? So he prays for us. He prays for you and for me. He prays for us. And so that's what we're gonna read in John 17 in verse 20 is where we're gonna pick up. Verse 20. So it says in verse 20, this is Jesus praying. 
my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, I'm gonna read that one more time. This is Jesus praying to the Father for us. My prayer is not for them alone, not for the 11 disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, what's going on here? Jesus is praying out loud to the Father for them to hear. Why is Jesus doing that? He tells us in verse 13, if you wanna read John 17, verse 13, Jesus is praying to the Father and he's saying, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Wow. So the reason he's praying out loud is so the full measure of his joy may be in us. Does anyone else want more joy in their life? I mean, that's not a hard sell, right? I would love more joy. Read the prayers of Jesus, and this is why he wants you to, to hear what he's praying, so that you would be filled up with joy. That's exciting. So we're gonna be filled up with joy even as we're going over it more and more. So that's why he's praying out loud. But who is Jesus praying for? In verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus knows the disciples are about to scatter. He also predicted that Peter, 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 that's a, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna push on, here we go. <laughs> that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crows, okay? So he's already seeing past their failure. He knows that they're about to scatter. He knows, but he knows that also that in Acts 2, he's gonna send the Holy Spirit and that there is a church that's gonna be birthed through him that other people are gonna come in to know and that, that these disciples are gonna be their witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's not just for the Jews. It's for the surrounding areas and it's for the ends of the world. So what is Jesus praying for us? What did he pray for the church? Well, let's read it again. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who would believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So here is our prayer for 2023 is that we are praying, Jesus, would you make us one with you? Make us one with one another so that the world would know who Jesus is. That's, who we're, that's what we're praying because that's going with the unity word. And this is one of those scriptures where Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to know. I want, I want to know that I'm praying for you and I want, Father, for them to be one as you and I are one. So we're just gonna go through that on a high level today. I'll be honest in preparing for this, I kind of got lost in the woods looking into the Trinity and I was just like, hours had passed. I was like, that was amazing. I don't have it like this. I haven't even scratched the surface and I have to give something <laughs> to the church that would be encouraging because this John 17 takes about three minutes to read. It will take all of eternity to fully understand. It really will. 
And so by no means are we going to exhaust the riches of this passage here today, but I wanna highlight a few things. And in particular, I was praying, God, would you give us our daily bread today? You know, we just give us our daily bread. So I feel like he's got some, some bites for us today, if you will. So number one, make us one with God, make us one with him. So that's where we're at. That's our first prayer point, our first, yeah, our first point of the prayer. God, would you make us one with you? Just as, just as the Father and I are one. And so how, like, wow, that's amazing. The Father and the Son are distinct, but they're one. In, in John 14, 9, 11, just a little bit before in those verses, the disciple Philip is Man, I love when the disciples ask questions because it just, we understand more of who God is. Maybe we, let's follow their example and ask questions of God and see how he answers them. But he says, would you, Philip, just show us who the Father is and that'll be enough for us. And here's what Jesus says in response. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So he was saying that, man, the Father and I, if you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And just as we are connected, as I don't say anything, I don't hear the Father saying or do anything, I don't see the Father doing, we're connected. And I want, the, I want for, for them to be in us in the same way. I want, that's, that's a blow away to me. Now, uh, I have a few graphics that, try to understand a little bit of what's happening here. So you wanna put up that graphic of the son and the father. It's the circles, there you go. So the son is in the greater circle and the father is in the son. The father is in the son. And then it's also that the son is also in the father. So there's this unity piece here, but then he takes it a step further. In the next slide, it says that the believers are also in the Father and in the Son. And then he says in verse 23 and 26, he says this blow away. He said that for the believers to have the Son inside of them. And this is what I feel like is our daily bread today. It's in John 17, verse 26. It's the last sentence that Jesus prays before he's arrested. He says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So let me, let me just slow down because I feel like this is, our, this is our daily bread. This is what God wants to highlight. I have made you known in order that the love you have for me, the love the Father has for the Son may be in them, that I myself may be in them. Okay, so we'll just, just kind of slow down. Jesus is praying that perhaps even more than like the general love of God for the world, and there's also this special love that he has for individual people. Like he knits you together in his mother's womb. Like there's different types of love of God. This is the love of God that's even next level than that. The love that the father has for the son and the son has for the father is the way in which he loves you. So I was thinking about that this week and I, I love all of my children. Uh, and I was just thinking about on the father-son analogy though, I was thinking about my two-year-old son, Noble. And how he's just, he, he's in this age where it is just so fun to build blocks with him. He's discovering new things to spend time with him. And the love that I have for him as a father is, is a delight to be with. He is, he is, it's one of my highlights of my week 
if I can get to a place where I can just, you know what, I'm putting my phone away and I'm spending time with you. And whatever you wanna do, we're playing and we're wrestling. And there's also this element of like, where's Noble? Because I'm intensely protective over him. And, and then there's just this, this, like this, oh man, just this overwhelming sense of I would drop anything for him. It's that intense love that I have for my son. And if I, just a human father, have that love for him, and if I was to say, man, I love you in the same way that I love Noble, man, that'd be a little weird. That'd be a little intense. Like, I might be like a little bit protective over you. Be just like, you know, like, how, how, like oh, can we just hang, like, oh, I just wanna know how you're doing and, and wanna check in and, hey, how can I pray for you? Like, it would be a little bit like, wow, that's a little much, Joe. Like, I appreciate it. Maybe we should love each other a little bit more like that. But it's like, I'm not your son. Like, you're, you're, not, you're not my dad. And, and it's true. Like, if I was to treat you like that, it'd be a little weird. But that's the way the Father treats you today. The same love that he has for Jesus is the love that he has for you. It's a whole different level of love that we fully don't understand. And I feel like this year, as we lean into growing in union with God, and that make us one, that that is something that I'm praying that he will reveal to us more and more and more. There's a song that I've been having on repeat. That's not a new song. It's, it's somewhat recent, but it's uh, I'm, I'm Your Beloved by Jonathan David Helser. And here's what he says. It's just been on repeat. He says, I'm your beloved. You have bought me with your blood and on your hand, you've written out my name. I'm your beloved, one the Father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. And I feel like it just gets in a little bit more that God wants to shake us of like how much he loves us to free us from the things that are just bogging us down, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna grow and be in union with God. So if you pull up that slide where it says, we wanna pray that God would make us one with him, we wanna grow in union with God. And how do we do that? How do we do that? I just say, when we're gonna be on this journey together and we're gonna look at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, he is going to reveal this to us. As we behold him, we're gonna be transformed by his glory. So we're gonna continue on. So what is the next part? Make us one with one another. Make us one with one another. Man, so much I could say here. I was trying to think those circles really didn't make sense to me of like, okay, how can I figure out the connection but thankfully, the New Testament has a ton of examples of what this looks like, of how we are together in Christ. In the New Testament, it says in John 15 that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. In Ephesians 2, it says Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the first building block of this new temple that God's building. And we are like living stones being built together as a holy temple in the presence of God. It's awesome. Another picture of this, of this communion with the saints, of how we're building together is that Jesus is the head of the body and we are the members of the body. Growing up in the head, we're all different, but we're all needed from Ephesians 4. And then Ephesians 5 is that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride. But I will say that I also am really sober as we go forward in this, just knowing that this is not gonna be easy, that this is gonna be really difficult because the, the scriptures tell us so. In fact, most of the New Testament letters that Paul wrote and some of the people wrote are to address areas where there's not unity and to bring about greater unity. Uh, here's just three examples I threw up. Uh, the Corinthians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 11, Paul's repro repro reproving them for quarreling and for divisions. 
In Galatians, he's writing to them against the dangers of rivalries, dissensions, divisions, that we, you wouldn't devour one another. And then he entreats uh, two people, you, you, I don't even know how to pronounce their names, in Philippi, that they, uh, Euodiah and Syntyche, oh man, I should have practiced that. The point being is that the reason why he's writing is that these, these two women would agree in the Lord. That's, that's a big part of that, that there would be, so we know that unity is on God's heart. We also know that it's not going to be easy, but you know what? Like this, this is not a optional, hey, this would be nice to have. This is a have to have because Jesus says, I, I pray that they would be one as we are one so that the world would know. And if we don't have unity with God and unity with one another, then then we won't be the church. We won't be the church that he's called us to be, okay? So we're gonna pursue this as a church in different ways. I'm real excited for this. Um, yeah, uh, I, again, I have to stay high level because uh, I'm already at time. But I wanna share the last part of where we're headed is that Jesus is gonna, that our prayer is that we wanna be one with God and we wanna grow in union with God this year, that he we would make us one, that we would grow in communion with one another so that the world would know who Jesus is. And that's why I wanna just spend the, the last part of our time is, is that so that Jesus would, would be known, that people would know that, that he is the one that the Father has sent and that they would believe in his name. Um, we're gonna do a little, a little poll here at the end. Put up the slide that says community and mission. There we go. So, my story, which I won't share in full, but I'll probably share at other points. I grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't until college that I tasted what the community of God could be like. And it changed my life. It was in a life group in college. And so for me, on the spectrum of community and mission, these things are often held in tension and you might lean towards one or the other, okay? So for me, I lean more towards community and other people are like, we need to go share the gospel. We need to go where it's like, if we're not doing that, like, why are we meeting right now? And what I want to say is wherever you fall on that spectrum, whether you're like, man, I am, I love the community aspect of it, but I really don't like, I, I, I don't like the, the mission part. Or if you're like, man, I really love sharing the gospel. I really love seeing people come to Christ, but the community part seems like we're wasting time. What Jesus is saying here, put up the next slide is that it's our community, it's our union with one another, it's our communion of the saints so that the world would know. It actually is out of that, that the mission part comes. But if you're on the mission part, like, man, let's just go, let's just share the gospel, but you don't have the community part, like you need to come back over here. It says, okay, the way the world's gonna know who Jesus is, is by being one with him and being one with the body of Christ. Okay, so we need both. We need both. And so we're gonna lean into, God, would you make us one with you, make us one with one another so that the world would know who Jesus is this year. So how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna do that? Because I got kind of like lost in the Trinity. I was like, oh my goodness, this passage is so good. Well, one of the places that gives a more step-by-step approach is in the book of Ephesians. It talks about in chapter one and chapter two, what we've received in, 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 in Christ. And then it goes in to say, here's who he's made us. And then it goes on, okay, so how do we actually live? So this year, we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians and it's gonna be a theme of God, would you make us one? Would you make us one? 
And so we're gonna start next week by walking through this. And as we do, we're gonna go through a couple chapters. And as we do, we're gonna stop and we're gonna have time. We're gonna practice together. How are we actually praying and staying? How are we abiding with Jesus? And then we're gonna learn some more and then we're gonna stop. And I'm so excited for what God's gonna do. So that is Vision Sunday, part two, where are we headed? And we are going to uh, continue just to be people who make room for the Lord. That was our whole theme in 21 days of prayer and fasting is that we would surrender and let them in. So our plan is Ephesians. If there's something that comes up, we're like, you know what? Man, we want you to move, Lord. We are, we are saying we want him to lead, but we believe that this is where God's leading us as a church, that he would make us one with him, one with one another so that the world would know who he is. And we have a part to play here in Dallas. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and I would invite the band to come up and for you to stand. And if we can have the, our prayer and prophetic team come up, maybe a few staff members as well. We want to respond to just what God's doing. And I, last week, I was just saying, saying that believe God's doing a unifying work and that he's over the next three years making us from a greenhouse into a farm. And just saying, Lord, would you knit people together? Would you call us to, to, to be the body of Christ here, to be people who would sow and plant and reap, that we would bear, bear root below and bear fruit above? And so that's who we're gonna be. And, and, and as we move forward from here, we also wanna be a people that are led by the Spirit, and love the word of God. And so one of the things that we do is we just try to practice listening to the Lord. God, what are you saying? And so one of the people who were praying for this morning had this, had this word. And so I wanna share it with you and maybe it would be something where God is encouraging you to respond to. Uh, the person said, in praying, I just felt like the Lord gave me a picture of someone whose mind has been racing with worry and whose jaw is locked. That the Lord had, been healing, had, heal, had healing and peace for them. He just kept saying the word peace over the mind and laying his hands over their head and over their jaw. So if that's for you, just wanna submit that to you. But if there's prayer that you need for anything else, we wanna be a people that we hear the word of God and we're just quick to respond. We're quick to activate, we're quick to go. So if there's like, man, there's nothing that necessarily the message hit in me, but I feel a need for Jesus right now. Or I just wanna come up and just say, I wanna surrender afresh. Our prayer team would love to be praying with you. So. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond and worship and just pray that God would do a new thing in our midst. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this church. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you are here with us. Lord, thank you that this is your prayer for us. God, that we would be one just as you and the Father would one, that you would knit us together as we grow up into you, Jesus, that's the head not just so that we can receive the benefit, but so that the world would know who you are, so that those who, who, we, who we know are far from you would know who you are, Jesus. So would you put your love in our heart today, the love that you have for the Father and the Son, would it hit us in a new way today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.